Welcome to the Skillstack Podcast, a podcast with one aim in mind, to bring you the best ideas, tactics, and information to help you grow your confidence, your value, and your bank balance with every epic. Here is your host, author, public speaker, and world record holder, Ray McLennan. Hi, and welcome to the Skillstack Podcast. My name is Ray McLennan, I'm the creator of theskillstack.com and I'm your host and I'm here in the Skillstack studio with another episode to help show you the best skills for the future, to give you simple actions that you can implement today to enhance those skills and this will help you raise your value to yourself, your family, your business and your community. Now that we are entering a brave new world, having a variety of the right type of skills is going to be vital, whether you're self-employed, employed or even thinking of starting out. There are a variety of skills that you're going to need to have, and in these podcast episodes, we cover most of them. Now, this episode is number 43, and it's called Subliminal Trigger Words That Work, 11 Magic Words for Maximum Impact, or 11 Magic Words That Influence People The Most. Now, if you're driving or listening to this, uh, or you're unable to take notes, don't worry, you'll be able to get the information and the list in the checklists in the show notes. So without any further delay, here we go. Now, in a world of sameness, in a world of competition, in a world where there are similar products, budgets and resources, how come some people struggle and others seem to breeze through just attracting customers, business and cash with ease? Well, successful people and businesses know what to say and the order in which to say it for maximum impact. Now, a lot of the information uh, you get today, not all the phrases and words and phrases, but a lot of them will come from a book by a guy called Phil Jones, and it's called Exactly What to Say. So, nice little book. A lot of the words and phrases are in there, and a a lot of the descriptions are in there. So, let us start with the 11 magic words that influence the most. Now, I suppose, uh, first thing is, why is it important to you? Second thing is, I'll talk about the 11 magic words. And then at the end, I'm going to give you tactics. That's three things that you can do now. So if you listen to the end, you'll get the tactics on, on what to do now and how to use these for best effect in your life and in your business. So why is it important to you? Well, It is important to you to learn a skill to make you that little bit better. You don't have to be 100% better at something. You just have to be that 1%, that 2% better. And lots of the skills, in fact, all of the skills that I talk about in the podcast will help you to do that. But these particular skills you can use right out the bat. You can use them starting today. There's things you can do today, and I will tell you what they are at the end. But there's another very important reason why these this particular skill works really well and that's because it goes straight to the core it goes straight into the reptile brain of the person that you are talking to or interacting with in such a way that you can influence them now there are three parts to the human brain so if you imagine part number one is the oldest part so if you imagine taking your hand and make a fist And you've got your wrist, imagine that's the spinal cord, your wrist going down, and you make a fist. And that is the size of the reptile or the reptilian brain, and that acts on instincts. If you take your other hand and and put it across the, the, the clenched fist, then you have what's called the middle brain, and that handles the emotional sector. So these two parts of the human brain are very, very old. They go back hundreds of millions of years. 
If you had a third hand and you laid it across the top, then you would have the new brain, which is the rational brain. And that completes the structure of a human brain. So the words you're going to use are going to impinge directly into the oldest parts of the human brain and influence people that way. Now, here's the 11 words. So the, the first are words and phrases. So the first one is the words, could you? Now, I use this uh, as an example when I'm holding seminars and there's maybe, I don't know, there could be anything from 50 to 100 people there. And we have a bit of fun with this phrase because I will I will talk about phrases, how they impact, and I'll give some examples. I will give you examples in the course of this podcast. But this particular example, I always say to the audience, which is mixed, made up of men and women, there's couples there as well that come along. And I'll say, OK, um, I want you to imagine uh, that you're at home now and it's time for the bins, the rubbish, the trash to go out. And then I'll say, by a show of hands, who puts the trash out? Well, guess what? The majority of hands that go up are men. They put their hand up and you see them going, yeah, yeah, it's me, it's me. I'll say, OK, that's great. Now, by a show of hands, tell me who remembers when the bins are to go out and gives the instruction for the bins to go out. And this time a lot of hands go up, it's women, and they laugh and they say, yeah, it's always me. And I say, okay, now I want you to, to role play for a second. I just want a um, couple of uh, volunteers from the audience to stand up and a couple of women stand up and I say, okay, imagine I'm your husband and you're asking me to put the bin out. And they'll usually say, it's a bit of fun, they usually go, darling, would you mind putting the bins out, please? And then he'll laugh and he'll go, that's not the way she says it at all. You know, so I say, well, how do you say it? And it's usually, it's it's Tuesday night. Um, can you put the bins out? They need to go out tomorrow. And I'll say, ah, right, stop. Let's rewind there. It's Tuesday. Can you put the bins out? Can you? Okay. When you use the words, can you, to a man, what happens in his reptile brain is very quickly in a nanosecond he's he's saying to himself well of course I can do you think I'm an idiot so when you change that phrase to could you you now have a much larger percentage in fact by 20 30 percent chance of a man carrying out your instructions without you having to repeat or say anything else just changing it from can you to could you or would you makes a massive difference so start to put that into your speech especially if you're ladies, if you're talking to a man, or in fact, if men are talking to other men, never say can you, because someone always thinks, well, I can. But when you say could you, it's it's neutral, and they're most likely to agree and go, yes, of course, yes, yes, I could, absolutely no problem. Okay, the next one, number two, is um, the phrase, I'm not sure if it's for you. I'm not sure if it's for you. Now, one of the most common reasons uh, that I hear, especially from people, as to why they fail to introduce their idea, their product or service to others is the fact that they are fearful of the rejection that they might perceive, the, 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 the rejection they might get. But let's take a, a kind of a minute to understand how this simple phrase works. Because when you open a statement with the words, I'm not sure if it's for you, this causes the listener's subconscious brain, the reptile brain, to hear, well, actually, there's no pressure here. By suggesting that they might not be interested, you naturally increase their, their, their intrigue and they wonder what it is. And this spike in curiosity will hook people. And what's more, again, in the subliminal part of the reptile brain, it fires an internal driver that tells them a decision needs to be made. And your soft approach will ensure that that decision feels, I suppose, unpressured and almost internal. 
So, but the real magic uh, of, of this phrase, though, is delivered through the final three-letter word of this sequence, a word that typically should be avoided in all conversations. However, the word is but. So imagine you're receiving a comment from your boss and it starts with the work. Um, you know, you're a really valuable member of the team. We love everything you do here, but some things need to change. Well, what's the only part that you would remember? Well, it might be the, it might be that you would focus on the word that follows, but, because the word but negates everything that was said prior. So when you say to somebody, I'm not sure if it's for you, but... What the little voice inside your listener's head hears in the reptile brain is, you might want to take a look at this. So, you might want to take a look at this. Right, now, here are some examples that you can use in your daily routine. So, I'm not sure if it's for you, but would you happen to know someone who's interested in my service? Uh, I'm not sure if it's for you, but we've got plans on Saturday and you're welcome to join us. Or, I'm not sure if it's for you, but this option is available for this month only and I'd hate for you to miss out. So it's almost a, a rejection-free approach that creates a very simple outcome because one of two things happens. Your listener leans in and asks for more information because they're personally interested. Or, in the very, very worst case scenario, they say, um, I'll have to think about it. So I'm not sure if it's for you, but... That's number two. Right, number three. Number three is... Um, are you open-minded? Now, if you were to ask a room of uh, 100 people whether they consider themselves to be open-minded, I'm pretty sure that 99 of them would raise their hands and go, yeah, yeah, because just about everybody thinks of themselves as, as being open-minded. Um, I mean, what's the alternative? The alternative is being closed-minded. This perception of choices is almost guaranteed to steal others towards your idea. And knowing that people like to see themselves as open-minded, you can give yourself a fair advantage with your conversations. So when you're introducing a, a brand new idea to a stranger, a friend, uh, somebody you work with, using the words, how open-minded are you? And following up that sentence with a scenario you want them to opt into allows you to naturally attract people towards the very thing that you're looking for their support with. And that takes your odds from sort of 50-50 to now about 90-10. So, here's some examples. You can say, how open-minded would you be to trying this as an alternative? Would you be open-minded about giving us a chance? How open-minded are you about increasing your monthly income? Would you be open-minded about seeing if we could work together? So, that's some options for you. Okay, so have a think about that. That's number three. And number three is, are you open-minded? Okay, so number four. Now, number four is... Uh, again, another sort of question. What do you know about? So how often do you find yourself you're in a conversation that quickly becomes kind of a debate because you're speaking with somebody who thinks that they know best and perhaps they even want to lecture you with their, their opinions? Well, to influence others, you must be aware of how to control a conversation. And one way of regaining control is to move the other person's position from one of certainty to one of doubt. Now, typically, people will try and create a position of uncertainty through directly challenging someone's opinion and perhaps even, you know, getting involved in an argument. And I'm pretty sure you'll have had moments when you've been frustrated by somebody's inability to understand what you're saying and flustered that you can't overcome their preconceptions. Now, this can happen regularly when you're trying to introduce new ideas or new concepts. And the, you know, I know best mentality of many people can be difficult to overcome. So 
The best way to overcome the I know best mentality is to question the knowledge on which the other person's opinion was founded. So that's all. It's just what do you know about? So you might say something like, um, what do you know about us? What do you know about our business and the way we do things differently? Um, what do you know about uh, everything that has changed since the event that happened last month? What do you know about how things really work here? What do you know about the benefits of? And then you can put in whatever sector it is that you work in. Now, these questions allow the other person to realise that opinion is maybe not correct and they can quickly become far more receptive to change. Now, the worst that can happen is you can learn the precise bias of their argument and um, can, they can then position your point to contrast to it. Use words like this to challenge others with confidence and you can avoid arguments that always end with losers since regardless of who the loser is, you're unlikely to leave with your desired result. Either everybody wins or everybody loses. So that's number four. What do you know about? Right, number five is, um, how would you feel if? Now, this is a word that gets thrown around like confetti as the word motivation. But still, when I ask people to share with me what the word means, all I see in response a lot of the time are blank faces. Now, it's the meaning of this word that creates the true basis for understanding all areas of negotiation, influence, persuasion, and you should explore it further if you want to be a peak negotiator. Put simply, understanding this word would mean that you could probably get just about anybody to do just about anything. Now, the word motivation comes from two very common words that are forced together. The first part of the word is motive, which is part derived from the Latin word motivus, the modern day translation of which is motive. Another word for motive is reason. The Asian part of motivation derives from the word action. And if somebody's going to take action, they're going to do something or move. This means that a very simple definition of motivation is a reason to move or a reason to do. So now ask yourself, would it be fair to say if the reason were big enough, you could get just about anybody to do anything? Hmm, of course you could. And if you want people to do things that typically they don't want to do, you first need to find an honest reason that's big enough. Now, understanding what reasons are big enough means you've got to understand how people are motivated. And people are motivated by two things, and that's either avoiding loss or acquiring a potential gain. They either want to move forward to the good stuff or they want to get away from the thing that could potentially hurt them. Now, the real world tells us that people will work far harder to avoid a potential loss than they ever will to achieve a potential gain. Greater than that is the fact that the more contrast you can create between where somebody does not want to be and where they hope to be, the more likely you are to get people to move. Now, understanding the truth of motivation coupled with this next point gives you a real context for this magic word. The second thing you have to consider is whether people base their decisions on emotion or logic. And the true answer to that question is, in fact, both. It's just the decision is always made for emotive reasons first. Remember, because that's the older part of the brain that acts first. Something has got to feel right before it even makes sense. You know, you might have stepped away from a conversation about what the other person, you know, why the other person, I suppose, didn't follow your advice and have wondered, well, I, I don't know why they didn't do it. It just doesn't make sense for them to do it. And if you're trying to win an argument based on your advice making sense, you're calling out to the wrong sets of reasons. You're trying to appeal to the logical part of the brain, when in fact you should try and be trying to appeal to the older parts of the brain. And that's why these magic words work. So, how would you feel if 
this decision led to your promotion? How would you feel if the competition passed you? How would you feel if you turned this around? How would you feel if you lost everything? What about this one? How would you feel if this time next year you were debt-free living in your dream home and planning your next holiday? So creating these, I suppose, future scenarios using the words how would you feel if actually gets people subliminally and in the reptile brain gets them excited about their future and gives them a reason to move either towards the good news or away from the bad news. And remember, the greater the contrast, the more likely you are to get someone to move. So that's number five. How would you feel if? And number six. Now, number six is uh, the words just imagine or imagine if. And did you know that every decision any human makes is made at least twice? The decision is first made in your mind hypothetically before it's ever made in reality. In fact, for a decision to come true, you must have first at least imagined yourself doing it, even for a nanosecond. And remember, your reptile brain, the oldest part of your brain, works very, very quickly. Have you ever been in a situation in which you've said or even just mouthed these words back to someone else? I just couldn't see myself doing that. I couldn't see myself doing that. It's a literal thing. If you cannot see yourself doing something, the chances of you doing it are slim to none and slim's out of town. People make decisions based on the images they see in their minds. So if you can place pictures in people's minds, then you can use the results of those images to influence their decisions. Just imagine how things will be in six months' time when you've implemented this. Just imagine what your boss would say if you missed this opportunity. Just imagine the look on your kids' faces when they see you achieve this. Or just imagine the impact that this could have. Just imagine when you start using all these words, the difference that it's going to make to your business. So that's number six, just imagine. Number seven is uh, when would be a good time. Simple sets of words helps us overcome one of the biggest challenges you face when trying to get people to take a serious look at your product, your service or your idea. And one of the biggest reasons your ideas fail to get heard is that others tell you that they just don't have the time to consider them. So by knowing that in advance and using the words when would be a good time, you prompt the other person to subconsciously assume that there will be a good time and that no is not an option. And that's kind of assumptive acknowledgement that there will be a time when this can definitely fit into their schedule. So when would be a good time? So when would be a good time for you to take a proper look at this? When would be a good time to get started? When would be a good time for you to start implementing these words? And it always, pre I suppose it always makes the other person assume that there will be a good time and that not doing it is just not an option. Okay, the next one is you have three options. Now, You'll probably see that in a lot of advertising, uh, especially a lot of stuff that's online, a lot of websites and things, you usually are always given three options when it comes to buying something. You know, you've got the monthly price, the, the discounted price if you pay up front, or three payments. And that's because people hate to feel manipulated and nearly always want to feel like they have made the final decision. When someone needs help deciding, using these words, you have three options, can help narrow the gaze and reduce their choice and make it easier for them to pick. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I go out with my wife and she wants to pick something like curtains or a carpet or something, 
you're usually faced with thousands and thousands of choices. And what the salesperson will try and do is always narrow it down to, to a few choices. You know, what colour do you like? Is it blue? Right, okay, so we've narrowed down the colour to blue. Now there's different types of blue, and then they'll bring out dark blue, light blue, and then they'll try, and you can see them trying to narrow it down to three things. Because that helps the other, pe uh, the other person or the person you're talking to through the decision-making process, but it also allows you to appear impartial in doing so. So, I suppose using one of the three options like what's going to be easier for you finishing it with another set of magic words means they have to pick one of these options so what's going to be easier for you means that the laborious new job option is off the table since staying put was already off the table the only option they have left is the easy one the one you want them to pick with so you've got three options finish with what's going to be easier for you and watch people effortlessly pick the choice that they were presently finding so difficult to make. So that's number eight. You have three options. Okay, number nine is uh, two types of people. Now, the slide that I used in the webinar was uh, of your, your, an icon on your phone, the mail icon on your phone. That's M-A-I-L, you know, for your, for your email. And the, the image shows two mail icons, and it says there are two types of people. So number nine is two types of people. And the image said that it shows there are two types of people in this world, and then you see mail, and there's nothing, and then you see mail, and then there's the red blob above the mail button that shows 13,678 emails that have been unanswered. So there are two types of people in this world. As entrepreneurs, um, sales professionals, business owners, you know, we're often tasked with the responsibility of helping people to make their minds up. And hopefully all these magic words will help you to help people make their minds up. And I suppose the, the main job description of anybody who's in, involved in sales, and we are all involved in sales. Let me just take a drink here. We're all, <clears throat> we're all involved in sales and we all have to be decision catalysts. So, in the lives of people, customers, prospects, you know, we've we've got to be the professional make, mind maker upper. We've got to get people to make up their minds. So there are many people who, um, you know, they do quite a good job at getting people interested in something. But it's the final moment of helping people decide that creates the action that drives results. And that's the tough part. That's where salespeople and great salespeople differentiate. Because when you help people to choose by removing some of the choices and creating easy options, decisions become easier when the choices are polarising. So, red or white? Beach holiday or holiday in the hills? Do you want to watch a sitcom or an action movie? You know, it all becomes simpler than the whole broader alternatives when you narrow it down. Your goal is to create a statement that presents choice and then allows the other person to pick so asking people to decide for themselves who they are with these words that are two types of people prompts a near instant decision. The second someone hears there are two types of people in this world, the little voice in their head, in the, in the reptile part of their brain, immediately wonders which one they are and they wait to hear their own choice. And your role is to deliver them that choice and make one of them stand out as the easy option. So here's a couple of examples. There are two types of people in this world. Those who leave their personal finances in the hands of their employers and those who take full responsibility and build their own futures. Which one are you? 
there are two types of people in this world, those who judge something before they've even tried it, and those who are prepared to try something and base their opinion on their own experience. Or there are two types of people in this world, those who resist change in favour of nostalgia and those who move with the times and create a better future. So there are two types of people. So that's number nine. Number 10. Number 10 is if like me. So if comma like me or I bet you're a bit like me. Now, this set of words is particularly good because it can help just about anybody agree to just about anything. It's even more powerful in conversation with a stranger than it is with somebody you already know. So when you're talking to a stranger, the conversation needs to move easily. It means it typically needs to follow the path of least resistance. And people who are like each other tend to like each other. And you're always talking and you're trying to find something in common. So if you use this, this, th this word ahead of a scenario you would like people to believe to be true, then expect them to agree with you wholeheartedly, quickly and easily. So... I bet you're a bit like me, quite often results in the other person comfortably agreeing with what you're saying, provided that you're being reasonable. And that can be, you know, a wonderful to help gather evidence to use building your later recommendations. Now, most people are not going to be uh, completely honest with you. So when you say, well, I bet you're a bit like me um, because you enjoy working hard now, knowing that it will pay dividends in the future, they will go, mm, yeah, well, I might, I might, you're right. Um, you know, I bet you're a bit like me. You don't like watching trashy TV in the evening and you'd rather work on something beneficial. Well, yeah, true to a certain extent. Or I bet you're a bit like me. You're a busy person who's always juggling to get everything done. So bet you're a bit like me. And the words like me tend, people tend to like you. Okay. So we're coming up to the last one and then I will go over the list again. Um, and the last one is most people. Most people. So number 11, most people. These two words, which contain just 10 letters, are probably responsible for more success than any other strategy that you can employ. Because indecision is the biggest thing that stands in the way of progress. And these two words can help people jump out of procrastination in a flash. Now, there are a few things that are worth understanding about people, and these are two big ones. First, people take great confidence from the fact that people like them have made a decision before them and that the decision worked out well. Consider the scenario. You well, Maybe you have experienced something like this yourself. You're on holiday, you see a group of children on top of a cliff and they're looking to jump in the water below, but nobody wants to go first. However, as soon as one person is brave enough and jumps in the water and lands with a splash and doesn't suffer any injury, but breaks through the surface with a great big smile on their face, now everybody seems to think, well, it's a good idea. Human beings, people, you and I, we all like to follow others and trust that there's safety in numbers. Now, second, sometimes people need to be told what to do, but without their permission, it can sound rude. And I'm sure you've seen plenty of times that you've wanted to say, well, what I think you should do is. But these two factors create power in the application of these influencing words. And most people is one of those words that, that influences a lot. Now, when you're faced with a moment and what you want to say is, look, I think you should do this, but you cannot say that because it's kind of obnoxious. Instead, you can simply say, well, most, what most people would do in this situation and watch how it changes everything. So what most people do is they complete the form with me here today and then you receive a welcome pack and we'll get you booked in for a launch. 
Or what most people do is put a small order to get started, commit to some products, see how they work out in their daily routines, and then they decide what to do next. Or most people in your circumstances would grab this opportunity with both hands, knowing that it's almost no risk. So most people put the words most people into their daily conversations and most of those people see a positive immediate effect. So that's the 11 words. Okay, so three things for you to do now. Okay, so one would be to visit the notes in at the bottom of this podcast and copy and paste and print off that list and keep it front and centre and handy because you're going to need it for the next two parts of this three things to do now. So number two would be to check through your marketing. So if you've got uh, Facebook ads or you've got a LinkedIn profile, you're putting out Twitter posts, that sort of thing, check through all of those and see how often you use those those, uh, words and phrases. And if you don't use them enough, then start to use them a bit more. And then number three is use the words every day. Try and use one of the words and phrases every day in conversation or um, in emails some way that you communicate with others and and it's the little things that make the big difference so the list again so number one was could you number two is i'm not sure if it's for you but number three is are you open-minded number four what do you know about number five is how would you feel if number six is imagine if number seven is when would be a good time number eight you have three options number nine there are two types of people Number 10 is if, like me, and number 11 is most people. So there we go. That's 11 words and phrases that influence. Hope you like that. Um, That is uh, the end of the podcast. And I'd like to thank you for listening. And if you like this podcast, please feel free to leave a review, share with anyone who might benefit from listening. Now, reviews are good for getting this out to more and more people because the listenership will rise. And I want to get this out to as many people as I possibly can. It's good, free content, as you will know, no advertising. I'm never going to advertise, never going to spam you or ask you for anything. If you want to find out more information in the show notes, you can. If you've got any questions, you can ask me in the podcast uh, about this podcast. You can join the Skillstack on Facebook or in Twitter, or you can email me to info at theskillstack.com. And if you want to uh, discover the power of accelerated personal growth, you can sign up to the Mindset Training Strategy modules at theskillstack.com. So once again, thank you for listening. Hope to talk to you again in the next episode. And remember, the greatest investment you'll ever make is investing in yourself. I've been Ray McLennan. This has been the Skillstack Podcast. Thank you once again for listening and goodbye.